Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hey, friends, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your co-host today, Lene Einheis, and this is episode 41. Today's show is super special as Corey sits down with our friend Jonathan Pitts to discuss grieving with your children, hope, and the power of intentionality in the life of a child. As you'll hear, Jonathan has quite a story and a family. I was deeply encouraged by his story and his commitment to continue sharing hope with the next generation. Jonathan shares lots of scripture and a few resources today. We'll have all of these in our show notes on our website at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. In fact, if you've been feeling the tug to take the next step and inquire more about bringing a Bible to School program to your local elementary school, we have people eager to talk to you. You can connect with them right there on our website as well at BibleToSchool.com. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome, Jonathan Pitts. We are so honored to have you today to join us on our podcast. Corey, it's good to be with you today and looking forward to a fun conversation. I love fun conversations. So So do I. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners, Jonathan? Yeah, my name is Jonathan Pitts. And uh, let's see, where do I start? I am a pastor in Franklin, Tennessee, which is the Nashville area. I am a spokesperson for ChristianParenting.org, awesome organization. I am the president and co-founder of a neat little ministry called For Girls Like You. It's a magazine and equipping organization for tween girls age 7 to 12. I am a husband. I've been married six months, and I've got a full story, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. And then I also am the father of four girls. My oldest daughter just turned 18, which is crazy. I've got a 15-year-old, and then I've got twin, almost 13-year-old. So I'm a dad of four teenage girls, so you can pray for me in that. Wow. It's pretty awesome. It's a a (laughs) massive gift. And uh, or stewardship responsibility God's given me, but that's kind of like kind of summarizes, uh, I think all the different things I'm doing or most of the things that I'm doing. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Wow. You have one of the most diverse resumes I've ever seen. So you got to tell us our, our audience about some of the things you've done. You've worked with Dr. Tony Evans and you've mm-hmm. authored some books and you're a speaker. So tell us a little bit more about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just start with where I kind of, where my story started, which is I'll never forget my grandfather kind of saying to me and his uh, grandsons, like you ought to consider ministry. And it was like one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. Like I always wanted to, you know, I grew up in a a family ministry family. My parents never made their money in ministry, but they always would volunteer. They clean, we cleaned the church. We drove the church van. We did all the things. And so I went to college for information systems, technology. I wanted to make money. I ended up in sales, pharmaceutical sales. I wanted to make money. Oh wow! And ultimately, God had a different plan for my life. I uh, met a girl named Winter in college and would fall in love with her and would get married to her two weeks after we graduated from college. And I would find myself quickly, I guess, like disappointed with what it looks like to make money and not live in your purpose. Because I 
I'm not saying that's nobody's purpose to sell or to make money or any of that. I'm just saying for me, I knew I wasn't in my purpose. I remember crying, like feeling like, ah, I'm purposeless right now. And what's funny is Winter and I would get married. We have our first daughter, Alina, in 2000. We got married in 2003. 2004, we'd go to Texas for vacation. And all she said was, I uh, have an uncle in Texas I want to visit, an uncle in Florida I want to visit. Uh, the uncle in Texas, his name's Tony. And I was like, okay. So went to visit with him. We stayed with uh, Winter's cousin, Priscilla, who happens to be Priscilla Shire, kind of like a world-renowned Bible teacher. <laughs> wow. Tony, Tony ended up being Tony Evans, a world-renowned Bible teacher. And long story short, God would basically, through merging me into a relationship with Winter's, her dad's brother, um, and that family, the Evans family, I would fall into ministry. I would end up actually managing Anthony Evans Jr., who's a singer, worship leader for seven years. And doing that, I'd build trust with his dad and uh, build a relationship with his dad. And I would end up running the Urban Alternative, Dr. Tony Evans National Broadcast Ministry for seven years after that, and would really mm -hmm. spend 15 years in vocational ministry in Texas while also getting to know this really large, awesome family who are still some of my best friends. And you were you started in tech. You started in the... In I, yeah, I started in tech. <laughs> you know what I realized is I, I had a high love for developing, stewarding, and just building relationships and learning new technology or selling products. None of that ever appealed to me. It was just about relationship. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I found myself in a ministry world where I did a lot of different roles, but most of them were managing relationships, developing relationships, stewarding relationships. And it's still what I do. Uh, Kind of to fast forward a little bit, Winter and I would spend 14 years in, in Dallas, and essentially I would feel a call to a different kind of ministry. And I had a church in Franklin and Nashville called Church of the City that I was thinking about. Well, they were looking for an executive pastor. And through a bunch of relationships, it worked out where I would actually begin having conversations with them about what would it look like to actually come be their executive pastor. As God would have it in June, uh, July of 2018, I'd move my family away from are then the Evans family who my girls grew up with for, you know, my, my youngest, my oldest, when we left Texas was 14. My second was 11. My twins were nine. And, uh, wow. And that's all I, they ever knew. Yeah, it's all they ever knew. So we came to, we came to Nashville, really hopeful. Uh, Winter had started her magazine for girls like you and her ministry for girls like you. She'd published a bunch of resources for twin girls. And I, we came here. I knew that God had something special for me. But I also thought that he had something special for her because she was in publishing and this whole Nashville, Franklin area is oh, yeah. a lot of Christian publishing industry. And long story short, we July 10th, we bought our house. July 11th, we'd move into our house. We'd get our girls into school here in Franklin and we'd leave for vacation. We'd go to Iowa for a week to visit my family. And then we went back to Dallas for me to finish up my last week of work. I don't know how to say it other than really as suddenly as it happened, but we would uh, be in... Winter's cousin's kind of a guest property they had. She would lay down for a nap. I'd get home from work. Uh, we'd exchange kind of pleasantries as she went to take a nap to prepare to write a book that she, her final book that she was working on called I Am Yours, uh, Prayers for God's Girls. Mm -hmm. And um, I fixed dinner for the girls. We had dinner together. And then I knew Winter just needed to rest. So I went into the bedroom to floss my teeth because we had ribs. And I'd walk into the bedroom and all I know is that she slumped over in a way that seemed not natural. And um, that would be the beginning of 30 minutes of trying to save her life. Uh, she was having what, what, I, what I found out would be called cardiac dysrhythmia. Her heart would get off rhythm in conjunction or combination with a heart murmur that she had her whole life. Anyway, um, I've told this story lots of times over the last almost four years now. But she would, uh, what I would say, peacefully glide into the arms of Jesus as me and my four daughters uh, went into a tailspin of shock and horror. And so long story short with that, God had a plan. What's, uh, I'll never forget 
the day before we buried winter, my oldest daughter, who was 14 at the time, coming to me and saying, hey, dad, are we still going to Nashville? We bought our house. They'd school there. But all of our life was still in Dallas. We were homeless in Dallas, but our whole life was there. Yeah. And I just uh, I looked at her and I said, I think we need to think about it and pray about it. And she just looked at me and she goes, dad, I think we're supposed to go. Like mommy was more excited about Nashville than anybody. I think we're supposed to go. And that was like for me, like felt like the Holy Spirit's whisper to me of like, just trust my plan. I've got a plan. And we'd move forward. My pastor, a guy named Darren Whitehead in Dallas, still my boss, godly man, basically told us we'd find a family ready to adopt us. And we didn't even know. I knew like three people in the church and they were all pastors, you know? Uh But the church just received us and loved us, cared for us. And for about almost three years, just really came around us in my need. My oldest sister, her name's Carmen. She was single, never married. She moved in with me. And oh, wow. Yeah. Help me raise really cool. Help me raise my girls. Then COVID hit. And uh, in the middle of COVID, a friend of mine said, Hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to introduce you to a friend of mine. Would you be interested? And long story short, I'd be introduced to the woman who's now my best friend, who has changed my life, who is another just new purpose in my life that has um, just done so much for me in my spiritual journey and my faith walk, and also has stepped into my family. And so we are oh, six months into, so yeah, six months into blending a family. And when I say blending, she's coming into a complete, big culture with five people, four teenage girls and all that. But uh, that's where we find ourselves now. And I'm, you know, I do some consulting as well. And God's just been really faithful to me. He's given me, what's really cool for me is he's given me a lot of different variety in ministry and I get bored kind of easy. And so <laughs> as long as it's relational, as long as I can be myself, God's given me the opportunity to do you know, just different things. Those are the core tenets of what I do. So that's yeah. a lot of things, Jonathan. And thank you for sharing all that with us. I appreciate that. And winter, I know you wrote a book that was mm-hmm. released, was it last year? On My um, Winter Season? Yeah, yes. it came out yeah. Febu- February of 21, I think. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? I'd love to hear. Yeah. So, you know, one of the verses that's really changed my life in the worst time of my life is uh, Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. And it was a verse that kind of encapsulated everything I thought about God through the darkest season of my life, which is the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. To me, uh, Dr. Evans used to say this thing that, you know, when, when God's talking about never leaving us or forsaking us and always being, he's not, he's not like talking about some floating spirit in never, never land. That's actually coming to our aid. He's talking about his people. Like thank right. God works. He works in miraculous ways, no doubt, but he also works for the body, his church, you know? And so what I saw was the body of Christ surround me in ways that I could never, ever think about repaying ways that were really beautiful and ways that only God could create. And so it's kind of my life first. And so really the book, My Winter Season is a book of, it's kind of like a, a seasonal memoir, uh, a memoir that, that kind of shares our journey together and what God did. Uh, Winter and I found ourselves like, you know, 15 year marriage, 15 years and 27 days. We found ourselves in the end to be, in the end to be ministry partners who for five years wrote together, wrote books together, developed this magazine together, interviewed together, we did all these things. And I just kind of memoired that journey. And then also the journey of losing her and knowing that that season of my life as I knew it coming to an end and just trusting God that God knew the exact amount of time that we'd have together. And that he also had a plan for my life beyond that season. And what's crazy is obviously she's got so much legacy. So now I've got these four girls that are walking, talking versions of her. And then she has this ministry. That's also a baby that I continue to steward as well. So I thought it's interesting. You're a, you're a dad who mm-hmm. is in charge of, is, is that your position for girls 
like you ministries. So yeah, so yeah, when she when Winter passed away, I knew instinctively that the ministry was supposed to be kind of a nonprofit because it's print magazine. Like literally, the magazine shows up at a mailbox for Tween Girl. Mm-hmm. Print's expensive, postage is expensive, advertising in a Tween Girls magazine isn't. It's hard to get revenue in that, and also we never wanted a lot of advertisement in the magazine. And so I knew what we'd need to do to make up the revenue to provide a quality product for Tween Girls would be based in subscriptions and sales and then also donations. And so I knew how to do that because I'd run ministries before and God kind of custom made me to basically carry it on. And so I now I call it like a fifth daughter, you know, and I carry it as a dad, like my heart, all my girls were kind of at this point, almost my twins are almost aged out of the magazine space, but God still called me to steward and and father this ministry and father the thousands of girls I'll, I'll never, ever meet, but maybe get to invest in at least a little bit through an article or a story or uh, an adventure or something we share through the magazine pages or other resources because we have other resources as well. So one of the things that reasons why I really wanted to interview you and I was because of your message of hope. And I know you have that in the book, My Winter Season, but you also have it all weaved through for girls like you. And that's what you're you're giving the world. And even very publicly kind of walking through your with your girls, it doesn't end. I have I have a friend who lost a a son very quickly. And mm. she tells me, she says, you know, I don't want the, all this pain to go to waste. I want to help other people. And I, I know at Bible to school, we see, Jonathan, we see so many children in heartbreaking, difficult situations, and they're always looking for hope. They're always looking for, you know, where's God in this? Where's God in this? So can you tell me your thoughts on hope and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and your powerful journey with God? You know, where does hope come in? Yeah. Well, first I'll say the best definition I've ever heard of hope is from my spiritual dad mentor, Tony Evans, who says that hope is joyful expectation of a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the thing I know about life in my limited, you know, 42 years of it is that there's always something to find hope in. Ultimately, there's always someone to find hope in, that being Jesus. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he's given us all these different ways to experience joyful expectation of our future. My testimony, I would say, is the verse that comes out, Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them, is in the worst season of my life, God gave me that scripture. But the scripture after that, Psalm 34, 8, is taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And so I don't know, just in taking refuge in him, I found hope even in the darkest of moments in my life. And I am convinced that anyone can. And, you know, uh, the Absolutely. Bible says that the God's, he's there. He's not, he's not that far from you. If only you seek and reach out for him, he's there. And so I, would, I, I love that definition of hope, joyful expectation of a better tomorrow. And I guess, I don't know, like, I don't want to, it's, I, I don't feel like I conjure anything up or I have willed myself in my faith to be hopeful. I feel like God's kind of give me a, given me a disposition of hope. In fact, mm-hmm. I'll never forget one time um, I was in my office on a really difficult morning, probably a year and a half into my grief. And I remember just like writing on my whiteboard, just kind of journaling on my whiteboard in my office and looking at like all the different gifts and coming upon the the gift of faith, the gift of faith. And I literally wrote down, I have the gift of faith. I have the gift of faith. And somehow, some way, I feel like God's just ingrained into me this just desire to see him. You know, Tony Evans, I'll use all of his quotes and don't tell him. (laughs) I won't tell him. (laughs) If all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. Like that's like that faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Like There's all these different ways that if we just look for God, if we look beyond our circumstances, we can find Him, we can find hope, we can find beauty. And for whatever reason, He's given me a little bit more of a disposition for, for that. There's other things that I that come really difficult for me, but 
I don't think that hope is one of them. I'm always looking for hope and difficulty and despair and all that. So I'm just, I'm honestly grateful for that and humble that God would maybe give maybe a little more dose of that to me than maybe some people. So, cause sometimes people ask me, how do you, how do you get that? I'm like, well, I think God gives it, you know? And so I'd say, just ask him for more of it. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to school kids. How can God stay perfect? One of the things we love to do at Bible to School is explore and learn more about who God is. When we talk about how God is holy and perfect, kids are rightfully amazed. After all, we know how easy it is not to be perfect. We may need to conclude that how God is perfect is a mystery to us, but the fact that He is perfect ensures that we can hope and trust and find comfort in his promises. Well, you have, like you said, four beautiful daughters. I mean, I've heard they're amazing. In fact, one of your daughters, Alina, we just talked about, was one of the lead roles in the Kendricks Brothers life-changing film. And that that Mm. film really rocked everybody, War Room. And Mm -hmm. so how how are you pouring into, we talk a lot in Bible to school and you can tell the children about how to be intentional about raising godly children, specifically girls. Can you speak into that, Jonathan, for us? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm in this season now. I've got four teenage girls, and I would say parenting feels as difficult as it ever has. The stakes seem as high as they ever have. I don't know that I have all the answers, but what I would say, even with my girls' age they are now and the challenges they have as teenagers, and they're all very different. They're all really beautiful. They all love God. But ultimately, consistency, intentionality about like just building true relationship with them and friendship with them. So that when you have to discipline or so that when you have, like, it's so important to already have a relationship. The thing I'm probably the most grateful for when winter passed away is that I didn't have to go backwards and try to develop a relationship with them. I'd already been doing that, like intentionally pouring time with them. Like one of the, one of the things I didn't say, and I should probably have this in my bio, my my favorite thing to do is literally like devotions at my dinner table. Like last night, last night we sat down and we read probably like 10 pages of Live No Lies, John Mark Comer's new book. Yeah. We read this book, Live No Lies. And then my favorite thing to do in the world is like sit around, read, and then just engage with my girls in conversations, like real conversations around real issues that are out there in the world right now and not hiding that from them. And obviously being really age appropriate in terms of what content you deliver that to them and allow them to interact with. But ultimately there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to engage your kids quite like reading and having conversations. And so distilling in them the discipline to do that. And even like yesterday, I'm like, literally like girls, like sit still, sit up, put your legs down. I mean, we're still doing the same <laughs> things we were doing when they were toddlers sometimes. Yes. But then we had a beautiful like hour conversation around scripture and God's love and truth and reality and all those different things. And I don't even know what question you answer, asked me, but and I it, hope I answered it. it. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's raising about raising godly children. And mm-hmm. isn't it great to just hear what your kids think? Like sometimes it's the other thing I I noticed about being a mom and also being a ministry leader is that children, when you say, well, what do you think about that? They love to tell you what they think. Sometimes they can verbally, you know, they're verbally processing and you're helping them do that. And Mm -hmm. so it's to have that space, that's that safe space where you can talk about spiritual things and you're doing it around the dinner table. A lot of kids don't have that which I know is why you're you're doing for girls like you ministry. I think that's awesome that you're thinking through that, that that people, kids need a way to get the gospel in front of them, to talk about it, to think about it. 
we get all caught up in everything else. Do we not? I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. we're, we're running here and there at the dinner table. How did you get them all in one place, Jonathan? <laughs> oh, we just made it a priority. Even now, yes. like, you know, we've got two in track, all four in counseling, which they've been doing for, you know, since their mom passed away. We've got one that's doing music all over writing and all over town and stuff. And it's just like the reality is we just prioritize and say, we're going to do this. Yeah. And we're going to do this at least a couple times a night. And so my wife and I, now we sit down and we plan and say, okay, on Sunday, we're sitting down one of the nights we're doing dinner when we're going to be together. I have a class tonight at the church tonight, so I won't be at dinner tonight, but last night we were there tomorrow night, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's just like, it's just a commitment to making it important. There's actually a Psalm 128 is a, is a Psalm that has really impacted me that talks about being around the table and the importance of the, mm -hmm. the table, specifically in a Jewish home. But if you read Psalm 128, I kind of want to read it if you don't mind. It's, a, it's no, such a short please. Psalm. Got to find it on my Bible app real quick here. It's such a beautiful Psalm because it, it talks about the blessing and it talks about the benefits of literally just being around the table for a family. Psalm 128, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And Dr. Evans would say, I'm referencing him more today than I normally do. But like he would say that, that a family, a mom and a dad can manage their home around the dinner table to an hour and a half a, a, a day. Like if you can spend that much time right. together around the table and no distractions, like you can correct around the table, you can encourage around the table. You can pray around the table. You can read scripture around the table. Like there's nothing that a family can't do around the table other than like fun. You, know, you can even do fun activities around the table, but like yeah. in an hour into an hour and a half a day, if you make that commitment, even a couple times a week, it's mm -hmm. like, I think about the number of hours I've invested. My late wife and I invested now my now wife and I have invested like around the table with our kids and the impact that's going to have years down the road, even if it feels crazy sometimes now. Cause like last night, literally my girls got the giggles. My oldest daughter got the giggles. <laughs> She's 18. And it's just like, you know, there are these moments where you feel like you, you can't get anything done because they're giggling or they're fighting and they're doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And the reality is you just have to get used to the fact that they're human and you're human. And sometimes I'm going to be the one with issues come grumpy at the table or whatever the thing might be. And so it really has become a priority for our family that I really do love. And I would encourage any family, whether it's a single parent household or a dual parent household or whatever kind of household to try to make if they can, even if it's like once or twice a week, um, depending on schedule, work schedules, all that. Yeah. I would highly recommend that also. And and then when you're you're in my stage of life where the kids are are leaving the roost or whatever, mm. you intentionally take them to coffee. You take them to breakfast. You are around a table with them and have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. And one of the things too, Jonathan, we want to talk to is that there are, are dads, moms, grandparents, aunts, uncles listening. How can they support? They might see other, they have other kids in their lives and they're influential in their lives. And they, you know, they, they don't have dinner or anything like that. What would you say to those other people supporting other kids that might not have a family life that, that, you know, is conducive to that? Yeah. I just, I don't think you can overstate the importance of a mentor or the importance of an aunt or an uncle or the importance of a person who's willing to take on parental responsibilities, even for a child that has parents. Because what's funny is one thing I'm learning now is there are things that my sisters can say to my daughters that I can't say to them, you know? Wow. So I just would never underestimate the impact that you can have even within minutes or hours within a week, the godly counsel you can give, the ways that you can support a parent by just 
sharing the same old thing that a parent is sharing that maybe that maybe a child doesn't want to hear. I mean, there's just so much. I just wouldn't underestimate the value of your time put in, your willingness to sacrifice, your willingness to engage, especially when you see a need um, or you see a gap. Mm -hmm. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. That's great. How do you encourage your kids? And we're going to wrap up here soon, but how do you encourage your girls to share their faith? So you you are um, telling me your story about how you're out talking to your faith and how the God has brought you through so much and you're telling everyone, which is awesome and encouraging everyone. How do you encourage your kids to share their faith? Yeah, I think the most powerful thing we have is our testimony, our own story of our life with God and what he's done for us. And so you know, we're not, we're not super formal. I'm not like doing a lot of Bible studies around my table where I'm teaching like evangelism training or anything like that. I'm literally one practicing telling my story. It's the most powerful thing I have and encouraging my girls to tell theirs. Like actually two of my girls, my oldest and my youngest just went last Friday and did a podcast with their counselor and they were sharing their story. And so I think it's just like, for me, it's like getting used to sharing your story, getting used to like not making the name of Jesus, an uncommon name in your mouth you know, just like a common name in your mouth and figuring out with your own personality, how that best happens for you. Cause we're all not built and wired the same. So it's going to look different for me than it's going to look for them. But I think, you know, the, the single most powerful thing, there's a, a, psych, a psychologist, his name is Kurt Thompson. Kurt Thompson says to the degree that a parent can own their story will be to the degree that a child can make sense of theirs. That's great. Cause you're right. Your story is the most powerful thing you have. When my children hear my testimony, I didn't become a Christian until I was 24. Wow. And so I have a different perspective than they do because they accepted Christ when they were younger. So it, it really is cool to share those stories and, and learn more, even more about how God is awesome and mm -hmm. amazing in our lives and how he works. So I just really appreciate you sharing your story today, Jonathan. And I'm so congratulations on being a newlywed. Thank you. Congratulations on awesome family and how you've impacted the kingdom so much. And your new book, we're going to be putting that on our show notes for sure. Awesome. And we're going to want to put for girls like you also, because um, we want our, our listeners need to get involved in that if they have tween girls for sure. The other thing I would say is if, um, if you have parents that are looking, one of the things I'm really engaged in that I love right now, if you have parents or anybody else that wants to take on like some level of parental responsibility for a child in their life. If you're looking for resources, christianparenting.org is an awesome organization that I get to write for yes. and share for just great resources, like dealing with like issues right now that, you know, most people don't want to talk about, you know? And so mm -hmm. I would just really encourage any parent to, to look them up as well. So. And your podcast, the journey, right? Yeah. So my podcast is on the Christian parenting network and I really, um, my podcast is honestly me having conversations with people that I want to talk to about things that I think are helpful to me. And I assume they're helpful to others. You know, I shared my story. Season one is me sharing my story of uh, losing my late wife, Winter. And then it goes on from there. And a lot of it's on parenting. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun to have those conversations. So Great, Jonathan. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And, and would you mind ending us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it. Appreciate Father, we, that. Yeah. Father, we just thank you so much for this day, God. And I thank you for anyone that's listening to the podcast, God, anyone that has a heart to encourage kiddos in uh, the love of your word and the love of you and your son, Jesus, God. And I just, I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet every single person where they are. Each one of us are in different places of hopefulness, different places of responsibility, different places of like living in purpose and waiting for purpose. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just literally meet us where we are, encourage our hearts 
And uh, just uh, pray, Lord, that you, as well as your people, would spur us on towards love and good works. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't God faithful? I'm so grateful to have had the chance to listen in on that conversation with Corey and Jonathan. I needed the reminder that God is still working and we are sowing seeds when it seems like our kids are giggling and their feet are on the table and that we can always have hope. What a great episode. Did someone come to mind while you were listening? Go ahead, take a minute to share this episode with a friend. I know I'll be sharing this one. Remember, you can find our show notes on our website at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible2School.com. And you can always keep up to date with us if you follow us on our socials. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Bible2School. We can't wait to connect with you. Next week, we'll be talking with National Day of Prayer spokesman William Graham. That's right, Billy Graham's grandson. You aren't going to want to miss it. We'll see you next week. And remember, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus.